0: What if we could learn a lot about building thriving communities by studying plants? What if we look to plants as a model for naturally conscious leadership? I'm Mindy Odlin, and in this episode of the What If It All Goes Right podcast, you'll meet Tegria Gardenia, a nature-inspired leadership coach and a world ambassador for plant intelligence. Welcome, Tegria! Great to Thank have you. Thank you.
1: Thank you. I am so happy to be here.
0: Community is important to us um, as humans. It's important to our health. It's important for our happiness. It's important for our well-being. So, what can we learn from plants about how to be better community builders?
1: Yeah, there's so much. This is one of those topics that we'll we'll try to give it a container because if not, right. we'll be here for like, I don't know, six months right. talking <laughs> about it. Cause there's just so much and it's so exciting. So when we think about it, right? It's very rare that we ever see a plant by themselves, even our house plants, which we tend to think of as by ourselves. First of all, we know that they grow better when there's other plants around. But even the plant, it's, um, the plant itself in, in a pot is they're there. They have a pot. They have soil in the soil. There's microbes in the soil. There's all kinds of things. So plants naturally are computer rebuilders. They build ecosystems. They are usually the feeders of that. They, they nourish the overall ecosystem because being autotrophs, which means that they they can generate their own food. They get it from sunlight directly, means that it is their responsibility and their also privilege to be able to create the overall, what we call environment around us. We tend to use this word nature, but in reality, when we use it in the way that it's typically used, we forget that we are nature. Mm-hmm. So, environment is sort of the, the place where things live, right? So, here we have the ability for plants to bring together different types of species. Also, you very rarely see an area where it's just one species of plant. So the plants naturally show us what diversity looks like. They show us different forms of relationships. For example, you have mutualisms where there's both mutually beneficial between two species, but you also have commensalisms, which is like, oh, okay, we're both in the same area, but we don't do anything for or against. You also have things like parasitism and predation. And you start to learn that all of these are natural and that it's not so much about giving a label of good or bad, this shouldn't exist or this should exist. Parasites are extremely useful when they're in moderation. And so we start to learn that it's not so much about giving absolute labels to anything, but it's more about how much should we use of one thing. And that helps us reflect on ourselves. If I wanna create a good community, I have to use all my skills, even those moments when I'm considered a jerk or those moments when I'm super critical, used in moderation, that's great for pushing the envelope forward. Competition should be minimized, but it doesn't disappear. It still should exist because healthy competition pushes change. So there's so many different models that we can start to look at when we look at a healthy ecosystem. And when we look at the plants in particular, Who in many cases, as the studies of Dr. Suzanne Simard shows, we have these mother trees or these hub trees that are plants that specifically look to create a harmonious environment.
0: Oh, and that's so that's my next question, because one of the things we talk about in the What If Up Club is, you know, we talk about good and bad and we talk about polarity because we live in a world of polarity and at the same time what's true is that if, you know if we were to say okay it's all good so what we're really looking at as conscious creators is cause and effect so here's what is here's the effect you know and there was a cause for that and knowing that means that i can be a cause for what i want to create from this reality so if i am consciously creating a vision so are plants intentional as creators or what could we learn from them in terms of intentional creation or fulfilling our purpose
1: Yeah, and this is an area that has been right on the forefront of the studies right now. So there are many people who will tell you, you know, plants don't think and they are that. But when you go look at the plant intelligence and you go look at plant behavior, you realize that plants really are making choices. So when a plant encounters an obstacle or a situation that's new, they have to choose whether they're going to go left or right. They have to choose whether they're going to grow bigger in the space and take over or whether they're going to instead pull back and make more space for others. They have to decide whether they're going to share their nutrients, knowing that they're not sure when their next pot of nutrients are going to arrive or whether instead they should hold hold those and store them. They also look to, for example, if you have ever noticed, if you've ever lived near a lot of oak trees, you'll see that they all, what's called a mast year, it's when they all produce nuts. They'll do it all in the same time. And it might be one year they do it and then for four or five years, nothing comes, or two years, nothing comes, and they'll synchronize because there's an overall benefit to the whole by them being synchronized. So all these things show us that there is an intentionality, that plants have memory, they're able, and this has already been proven scientifically, that plants have a memory, they understand, they can take whatever has happened, process it, record what is important for them to know about it, hold that memory, and then use and apply that memory when the next season comes or when the next event comes. And that's exactly what we want for ourselves, right? The thing that plants do really well that is another model that helps us is, we as humans have about, we know our five senses, right? If you're spiritual, you might have another set of senses that you've recognized and know how to expand on. Plants, we know, we know they have at least 20 senses. The five that we have, plus another 15, they might even have more. So this means that if I look at myself as a being of nature, I also have the ability to expand myself so that I can have that level of awareness of my location, of my life, of things that are happening. So there's really great models on how to expand perception and awareness and really start to look at yourself both as an individual, because all plants can first analyze themselves as individuals, but also as the fact that I am always... An individual in nature. I'm always so I'm always participating in nature. I'm observing nature, and I am that nature. Mm. So we can look at these models to help us then make better decisions as an I inside of a we.
0: Nice. Well, and that seems like a very important conversation to be having right now. So what do you see is the importance or the even the urgency of looking to the natural world, looking to the plant kingdom? for guidance on how do we navigate the times that we're in?
1: I see it in a few different ways. One, there's no better crisis management and resilience than the natural world. I mean, just look at a dandelion, like they grow everywhere Uh and they can grow through cement. They can grow through all these things. So they have many lessons to teach us about resilience, about when to come up, about how to easily propagate so that we continue forward many different aspects on that. But also there is the part of what I have found the, that the, the deeper you go into your communication with nature, your conversations with nature, your awareness or what I call your plants reawakening so that you under, you start to see nature in all of its aspects. Like, you know, the, the table that I'm sitting on is wood. And so therefore that was a tree. So this is a plant that gave their life. So you start to understand better the world that sacrifices. What does sacrifice in a positive state mean rather than thinking of it as a loss? And more importantly, I feel like right now when we go deeper into this conversation, what I'm seeing is I need to take less because when I'm so connected, first of all, I'm satiated from the inside out. So therefore, I don't need frivolous stuff that I would probably use to fill a need. And more importantly, when I recognize that everything around me, a being gave their life in order for me to have it, I don't want to waste it. I don't want to waste the water that it came from. I don't want to waste the piece of wood that was, you know, that was taken from the body. I don't want to waste the food that these different beings gave their lives in order for me to have. And then it starts to ripple out across everything. So what I find is that rather than us feeling restricted and thinking about stuff in reference to like, even if you look at things like climate change, or if you look, you, you start to enter into natural cycles and your body and your mind and your soul starts to adapt to this understanding that I don't need certain things, not because I'm holding myself back, but because I really just don't need them. I can really get so much more pleasure off of these things because I recognize what went into the creation of them. And also, there's a better understanding of when I do things so that they're in a natural cycle. And so therefore, I'm contributing to growth rather than to destruction. So there's a lot of different pieces that uh, the deeper we get into this connection, which can start with just a walk in nature. But if you take that walk and you slow down and you sit every once in a while and you just open yourself to say, what can I receive? Like who wants to talk to me? Who has messages to share? Who can I start to connect with? Mm -hmm. And what can I learn? And then this reciprocal going back and forth because remember plants don't know humanness and we are not plantness. And yet we both have plantness and humanness inside of each other
0: Mm. I know for me we moved from a fairly large metropolitan area to Colorado Mm -hmm. and I found that I didn't realize it felt like I had been thirsty and not known it like it would feel like I'm drinking I'm getting hydrated and I didn't even know I was dehydrated having that time in nature what is Mm -hmm. it for you like what's your personal story your personal connection to this
1: so I come from it from a really weird way, and um, and that's what I love. My my life is very has a very lots of uh, windy roads. So I am by training originally a music engineer and electrical engineer. So that's what I studied. And I first went into high tech. So I spent a lot of time in high tech. And I come from the music scene. I, I grew up in South Florida. I live now in Italy, in Dominher, the spiritual community. So I, I come from a world of where the arts are extremely important and, and many different aspects of my life have always involved the arts. So when I come to Dominur, one day I was walking down the one of our areas and I hear this music. And it was a music that was unlike any music I've ever heard before. And I followed the music and I discovered this box and I was like, what the heck is this? And then I followed the wires and I discovered that the box was connected to a tree. It was connected to a plant, so no, it, was, it wasn't a tree. it was a plant and a different kind of plant. And so when I started to understand that it was the plant that was making the music. So this is the music of the plants device. It's a device that is basically a musical instrument for plants. So my plant reawakening came through a combination of music And what language, because we tend to think that music is a type of language, but in reality, language is a type of musicality because it's music that really is the foundational core. And that music for me, when I realized it was the plant, I kind of like looked to the plant and I was saying, why does this feel like nothing I've ever heard and yet so familiar? And that's where I started to be able to dialogue, to to open a channel of communication through that music so for me that was my movement from plant blindness the plant reawakening started right there and 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 from there it's grown like I grew up also in in a city in some aspects like beautiful trees on the streets but not a lot of like parks at least in the sense of the way that I lived my life and yet I had never seen the amount of like nature that was around me the amount of envi- the way the environment had developed and then I was living in Italy which is where I live still. And I'm like, whoa, I'm in one of the greenest valleys and I have never seen any of this. So it really started to make me see not just that kind of nature, but the nature that I love the most is that crack on the street sidewalk in a city where the moss is growing or the dandelion is growing, the purslane, or when you walk by a building and you see the the gutter type piece and the tube and all of it is covered in green. Like I started to see all the tiny ways That I had lost that awe and wonder and how I was looking at a city through concrete jungle eyes rather than looking at it on the amazement of how much nature wants to be connect, like to connect to our inner nature, that these plants are able to pop up just about anywhere. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So I am a big fan of Richard Louv and his um, mm-hmm. children in nature movement. And yeah. one of the things that really struck me that he said that really aligns with what we believe in the what if up club is he says, you know, if you're constantly trying to overcome the crisis and obviously climate crisis is a huge, huge issue right now. He said, you know, if that's the the focus is we're always putting out literally fires. We're always putting out fires. Mm-hmm. We're always in crisis mode versus What's more powerful and what's more sustainable is to create a vision of, you know, what is the world that we want to step into? So what is this crisis giving us clarity for what the creation is so that we can live into that? And he talks about the idea of having nature-rich cities, like having nature, like let's take our lifestyle and bring nature into it in a way. And I love, I think about this, the spider that, that is clinging to the, you know, the corner of the building and, and living and thriving exactly. in the midst of us. And sometimes we don't see that. So exactly.
1: Not only that, we've been taught to be afraid of a lot of those types of yeah. things. So we're purposely trying to kill off and our definitions and our aesthetics um, of, of what is beautiful has unfortunately become cleaned off. Um, because it was like a traditional hygienic perspective. In other words, hygienic became beautiful. And that's why we like these like stark white lines and we want no weeds or as what they really are, which is just wild plants, where instead it is that wildness with the true diversity that is even much healthier for our bodies and our systems. And yeah. so this is where exactly we can open up to many things. I have a master's in what's called the vegetal future. So it's plant, social innovation and design. And I'm also a biomimicry practitioner. And so therefore, the whole concept of like nature in the city and of what does a nature infused city look like and all these different aspects is very near and dear to my heart. How do we design ourselves better? And for this reason, going back to what you were saying about Richard Lou, whose work is amazing. We have lost to a certain extent, also the ability to envision something where we're not in crisis mode or stress mode or all these types of things. And this is where the arts can be extremely powerful in combination with nature. So these are the cornerstones of the work that I do as a nature inspired mentor and a coach is really about fusing art and your connection to nature because nature will will whisper and will help you and will trigger even like i said physiologically awe and wonder which are the cornerstones from a scientific perspective to health health and wellness is really triggered by a lot of awe and wonder we can trigger many substances within our body and create alchemical uh, transformations from that awe and that wonder And at the same time, it is the arts that allows us to imagine the unimaginable. So I often will use art inspired activities in my courses or in the one-on-one work that I do with people for exactly that reason, because it lets us come out of the box. It lets us kind of color outside the lines and create things. And that vision that's not crisis mode, but is instead, this is the vision I want going forward.
0: Mm. You know, I was just seeing some statistics around climate anxiety, like spe- a specific kind of anxiety that's emerging as epidemic proportions. And, you know, we have all this evidence around us that is giving mm-hmm. us that anxiety. So it's, you know, it's like there's anxiety when we're just making stuff up, and there's anxiety from just looking around our world. So as you think about the challenges that we face environmentally, as the culture, as a society, as humanity, what are the possibilities? If we were to look at the vision and the possibility of what what is being birthed through us right now, what do you see as being possible?
1: I, I think one of the things that I am loving and I'm seeing a lot that is possible for us to expand on is a life that is more in tune with natural cycles. And even in a city where people think, Oh, I can't do this. It's not true. Because like, as we were saying, as our cities become more greened, as our cities start to invite nature back in and invite a wildness in, what happens is that as we spend more time in that natural environment, even if it's just cutting through a park to get to work in the morning, even just that allows my wildness to come out. And Inside of ourselves, like I said, we have our humanness, but we also have our plantness, that part of ourselves that is part of the natural world, and that and that humans are animals by you know by definition. So therefore, we can start to, to trust our own instincts again. We can start to listen to react to our own bodies again. We can start to break down some of the, the social norms that have Again, at a time when we didn't have certain information might have been useful, but today they no longer serve us because we've evolved beyond them. In order for us to start to look at things like daylight cycles better, change the lighting in cities so that we can feel the natural rhythm of our daylight and our nighttime, um, where we can start to understand how plants work, how plants show us in the areas in which we live how we could better structure our work day or our work year so you see plants that go into a sort of hibernation if you're in an area that has a lot of deciduous trees okay so what happens when i change the way that my work is scheduled throughout the year to take that down period that introspective period that period where i start to pull back nourishment there's lots of information there about what nature is doing that is not just I'm awake and I'm asleep. It's, it's way more complex in a good way. Yeah. And we can start to learn about all these things. And I think that that's naturally gonna change the way our bodies react to the changes in climate because some of the climate work without any doubt is the exaggeration of what we as humans have created because of our footprint. So our, our earth is reacting to a whole series of different because that's what happens, right? I get stimulus and I react to them. cause and effect as we were talking about earlier. And on the other side, nature has the capability to adapt and I am nature. So therefore, it's not a question always, although many times it is of stopping. Mm -hmm. Some of it is adapting. How do I adapt to this? I can't purposely change in one moment the heat index that's happening, right? It is there. It's here already. What does my body need to do to adapt better to it? What is it that I can do in order to be in harmony? When should I take siesta? Mm-hmm. As it was often done in many countries. I'm so, big on siesta. <laughs> big on siesta, right? But siesta was a, a natural reaction, especially in Spain, to a work day that in the middle of it had you know extreme heat. My family is Cuban. And so my mother's school day when she was a child was broken up because of the heat of the day. And we could go back to those types of cycles. Some of them actually are better for our bodies.
0: Yeah, it's really fascinating. I have stopped setting alarm clocks in the morning and I you know here in New York, so we're very far north. The days are long right now and I'm incredibly productive. Uh, it wasn't that way six months ago but uh, but I'm finding that I get a lot of energy just you know to not have the normal nine to five the structures, That we've put around ourselves, the boxes that we put ourselves in aren't necessarily the healthiest for us.
1: No, and and you just said it perfect. Not only did you say how productive you are right now, but six months ago you weren't productive. And we beat ourselves up when that happens. We're like, what's wrong with me? Am I depressed? Am I this? And it's like, wait a minute, it's not the time of the year for me to be productive. What am I supposed to the question is going to what if? What if what what if I was to give myself permission to be in this? What am I supposed to be in this period? Yeah. Am I supposed to be planning? Am I supposed to be introspective? Am I supposed to be gathering up information? There are times if you look at trees, uh, specifically tree growth is an easier way to see this. You will see that there's times for gathering. Mm-hmm. There's times for giving. There's times for using. There's times for storing All of these different cycles exist, and that is a great analogy to help me when I start to say, oh, something is wrong with me because... I, I'm just not productive in this period. And it's like, oh,
0: maybe you're not supposed to be
1: the kind of productive that you're thinking of, the doing productive. What if it's
0: productive, but it's just in a different kind of, it doesn't look like what we decided productivity looks like because we're not doing, doing, doing.
1: Because there is a huge, huge benefit to the human body. If we look at our ancestors and we go back to the beginning of like Stone Age, there's a wonderful book called Stone Age Economics that, that outlines a lot of this. But if you go to Stone Age society, They were much more affluent than we as we are today. And the reason is they spent a lot of time in contemplation. Mm. Contemplation was big. So if you looked at hunter gatherer societies who were very in tune with the natural environment, people think that they were living kind of like, oh, I'm starving all the time. Absolutely not. They would only really hunt for a short in a course of a month. They might only hunt for two or three days. Mm. And then the rest of the time was done in the family, in the in the community, in contemplation, in all of these different aspects. So society didn't have that, like, I have to produce every single day kind of thing. And that was because they were much more in tune with what was going on in the natural world
0: around them. I love that. So for people who are like, I am resonating with this, like, I want to go deeper into this, how can people learn more about you and really learn more about how they can connect with the natural world around them?
1: So there's two ways. Actually, I'll give you three, but they're connected. So one is if you go to my website, you're going to find a lot of information on my website. You will find, for example, my plant spirit, wild plant. We talk a lot about like animal spirits, but we very rarely talk about plant spirits. And Mm -hmm. especially as we were saying earlier, resilience. I mean, wild plants, which are a.k.a. weeds, by the way. (laughs) But for those that that are, you know, weeds. They are extremely resilient. So, I have a quiz that allows you to identify who is your spirit wild plant, and your spirit wild plant then it gives you, brings you into my sort of community environment so that you understand. When you take that, or if you just go around, you'll see that I have something called the Naturally Conscious Community. And this is my online uh, community. We're very plant-oriented, obviously very nature-oriented, which is wonderful. We, we really do talk about the hard questions. On Wednesday, we had a gathering, which is our free monthly gathering of our sprouts, as we call it, because we call ourselves interspecies sprouts. And as interspecies sprouts, we bring sometimes our plants into the conversations. And we do hard, have hard questions. We were talking about transportation. How do we travel when you want to be a good steward to the earth? And because it's a safe space, nobody's ever wrong. This is a place for us to really talk about some of the questions of how do I really become who I want to be as a natural being and as a naturally conscious being. I oftentimes have different challenges and different communications. So you keep an eye out once you enter into my naturally conscious community, you'll see things like my plant communication workshop or my I am plant uh, five day challenge and other free as well as paid events that you can can participate in courses and things like that.
0: I love it. Well, Tagoria, it is fantastic to connect with you. I love your message. I love the consciousness and the uh, and what you're creating through your wisdom that you are sharing. So we always like I like to end with what we call the "what if" game, where like we it. just throw like out games. as many positive "what ifs" as we can for you know for really the the vision that's being born here. And the first thing that comes to me is what if our awareness of the natural world is deepening our own wisdom? And what if the answers that we're seeking to solve the challenges, whether they're personal or global, what if the answers are literally like right there on our windowsill?
1: I love it. What are some it. what
0: ifs that you might have?
1: Uh, I, one that comes to mind is, is what if you lived your humanness side by side with your plantness?
0: Oh, that's fabulous.
1: Or what if you were to design the world in which you really want to live in, in harmony with all the other beings around you.
0: Yes. What a beautiful, beautiful vision. Well, thank you so, so much for being here with us for this episode. Thank you
1: so much for the invitation. It's been really fun.
0: It's great to have you here. And if you like this episode, please share it, leave a review, uh, post a comment, head over to our community. We have our What If Up community at whatifup.org where we'll be discussing this and going deeper. And I invite you to, if you're not a member, join that at whatifup.org. I'm Mindy Audlin. Thank you so much for tuning in to What If It All Goes Right. We'll see you next time.